We share in Christ's sufferings inasmuch as our sufferings are for the purpose of helping to unite humanity with God. Hello friends and welcome or welcome back. For those of you who have been praying for my family, I wanted to say thank you and just give you a quick update. In January, my father went into the emergency room with septic shock and spent 12 days in the ICU. But praise the Lord, he is out, out of the hospital, out of the rehab hospital. He's at home and he's recovering remarkably well. So thank you so much. If you were one of the people praying for my father, I am truly grateful. His recovery is coming along swimmingly. And we thank God for that. Today I'd like to share with you something that I shared with a group of students back in December of 2019. I had been asked to come and speak at this gathering of college students, graduate students, and they had asked me to share about what I felt like the Lord was saying for 2020. And so as I prayed about this time and uh, sought the Lord, what I ended up sensing from the Lord was not at all what I expected. And so, you know, in this type of situation, going to speak to a group of young students about the new year and it's 2020, so maybe we talk about 2020 vision or some kind of clever pun or some exciting catchphrase for 2020, but it was nothing like that at all. And the word that I felt from the Lord was suffering and that I was supposed to go and talk to these students about suffering. And you know, there are all different kinds of believers all different kinds of teachers, all different kinds of churches. And some believers enjoy talking about the cost of following Christ and emphasizing that aspect of being a believer in Jesus. And some believers enjoy talking about the joys and the blessings of following Christ and emphasizing that aspect of following Jesus. And I think it's wise for us to embrace every aspect of following Jesus, because every aspect of following Jesus is good. And that's why Paul says we even rejoice in our sufferings. But as we approach a topic as weighty as suffering, I think it's good for us to drink deeply of the grace of God, because hard words require grace to hear. And so I just pray right now that God would give us grace to hear what he's speaking to us and to rejoice in his words to us. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that your joy may be full. And so the word of God comes not to discourage us, but to build us up and to conform us into the likeness of Jesus. And Jesus was anointed with joy above all his brethren, says Hebrews. And so as we become more like Jesus, we become more joyful people. It's true that Christ was called a man of sorrows in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. It's talking about that when Christ was despised and rejected by men, he was a man of sorrows, but he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. And so Christ was a man of sorrows in the sense that he took upon himself all the pain and all the suffering of the world. But Hebrews 12, 2 says that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Bible says in Psalm 16:11, in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures eternal. So Jesus is not continually a man of sorrows. Jesus endured the sorrow of the cross for the joy set before him. And we follow in his example as we share in the sufferings of Christ. And this is a very important distinction to talk about because Christ's sufferings were for the purpose of uniting humanity with God, of bringing reconciliation between God and humanity to defeat sin, to defeat the devil, and to bring human beings into relationship with God. Those were the purpose of the sufferings of Christ. And we share in Christ's sufferings inasmuch as our sufferings are for the purpose of helping to unite humanity with God. And so not all suffering in life is suffering for righteousness sake. Not all suffering in life is a participation in Christ's sufferings. And so that's a really important distinction because throughout history, people have wanted to appropriate the sufferings of Christ and identify the sufferings of Christ with their suffering, regardless if the purpose of their suffering was righteous or not. So, you know, throughout history, people have, in times of war, taken their cause and identified it with the sufferings of Christ. Even in the American Civil War, after the South lost, there are sermons that were preached in white churches in the South talking about how their suffering was like the suffering of Christ, how they were suffering uh, righteously, uh, having lost the Civil War that they fought to keep other human beings enslaved. So we can see how people will claim to identify with the sufferings of Christ, even for causes that are completely ungodly, completely opposed to the nature of love, to the nature of treating other people the way you want to be treated. And yet people will do this, and it's been done throughout history for all kinds of causes that had nothing to do with the kingdom of God or extending the reign of Jesus on the earth. So it's very important to understand when we talk about suffering, we're talking about sharing in the sufferings of Christ that help unite humanity with God. And that's not to say that God doesn't care about other types of suffering. That's not to say that God isn't compassionate towards other kinds of suffering, but it's just to recognize not all suffering is a sharing in the sufferings of Christ. There is so much pain and suffering in the world, and most of it has to do with the consequences of sin. Most of it is the death that Adam brought into the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there is so much pain and so much suffering in the world that has come through sin, that has come through Adam, and doesn't have anything to do with righteous suffering or with trying to forward the purposes and the righteousness of God. There's a proverb, Proverbs 19.3, it says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. So there's even a type of suffering that we bring on ourselves, that we can ruin our own lives. And sometimes people will even blame God for that. You know, I've seen this over and over and over, but people make a stupid decision. People choose to walk in sin. People don't submit their lives to God's lordship, to the direction 
of Jesus to God's will for them. And then they get upset and they say, why is God doing this to me? And it's like, man, I don't think God did that to you. I think you did that to yourself. The other day I was talking to a guy whose car slid off the road. And he said, as he was sliding off the road, he he started praying. He was saying, God, really, are we going to do this tonight? And I asked him, I said, was God driving the car? You know, you were the one driving the car. You were the one driving too fast. Did you pray about how fast you should drive? Did you pray about whether or not you should take that route home? Did you allow any opportunity for God to direct your steps that night? And yet the moment something goes wrong, we want to blame God. Even in insurance contracts, you know, we have this whole idea that acts of God are not covered as if it were God interfering in our insurance coverage so that he could destroy our homes and we wouldn't be reimbursed by insurance. My point is this, not all suffering is a sharing in Christ's sufferings. Christ's sufferings were to bring about the reign of God on the earth, to bring about the reconciliation of humanity with God. And it's a sharing in those sufferings. It's when we are also seeking to bring about the reign of God on earth. It's a suffering for godliness sake. First Peter talks about this in chapter 2. Uh, beginning in verse 19. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. So as Peter writes, there is suffering for doing good, and then there's other kinds of suffering. And again, my point isn't that God doesn't care about the other kinds of suffering. The Bible says that God's compassion is over all that he has made, that God is kind to the wicked and the ungrateful. I believe God cared about my friend who was driving his car off the road. I'm just not convinced that his car going off the road was a sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, All human suffering finds its solution in the suffering of Jesus Christ. In his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, Timothy Keller writes, It is through the suffering of God that the suffering of humankind will eventually be overcome and undone. So I believe God cares about all of our pain, all of our suffering, and he wants to bring healing to all of our suffering. But ultimately, that healing is found in the gospel, and that healing is found in what Jesus suffered for us on the cross. And the endeavor of being part of carrying that healing to broken people will inevitably involve suffering on the part of those who want to be Christ's ambassadors. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So Paul is saying that he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Not that Christ's afflictions were inadequate to pay the debt of sin. Not that Christ's afflictions were inadequate to bring redemption to all of humankind, but that there's a filling up of Christ's afflictions that is born in the body of those who would be willing 
to carry the gospel to other people, of those who would be willing to lay down their lives and serve other people, of those people who are willing to live out the love of God and and service and love and proclamation of the gospel to others. And by the way, that's not a profession. <laughs> that that vocation is given to all believers in Jesus. That is not just for the preachers, just for the missionaries. That is for every believer in Jesus, from the shoe salesman to the teacher to the doctor, the housewife, the CEO, everybody, the factory worker. We are all called to be ministers of the gospel. And by doing so, we should have the expectation that we will also suffer. First uh, Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so he's, Peter says, don't be surprised. This isn't something strange that's happening to you. In fact, this just shows that you're not part of this world. It shows that you don't fit in here. Suffering is a normal part of following Jesus. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 talks about that Christ suffered as he resisted sin. And then later in Hebrews 12, 4, it talks about in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So Christians suffer even as we resist sin. Listen to 1 Peter 4, 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So there's this suffering that comes with resisting sin. There's a suffering that comes with being persecuted for godliness sake. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You remember in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 1 Peter 3.14 says, Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. So there's a suffering for righteousness sake. There's a suffering for preaching the gospel. There's suffering as we resist sin. And there's suffering in seeing the brokenness of the world around us, like it talks about uh, in 2 Peter 2.8. It talks about Lot as a righteous man who lived among them day after day, was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So as believers, there's a brokenness and a sadness in us in just seeing people rebel against God and seeing the pain and the suffering in the world that's brought about by sin. But the cross makes our suffering comprehensible and it makes our suffering meaningful. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 4.17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So, as we share in Christ's sufferings, we have this hope of glory. And, and it's funny that Paul called his sufferings a light, momentary affliction. Remember, he had been in prison. He had been beaten. He provides a list of all his sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He talks about countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift on the sea. 
on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, robbers, in danger from my own people, in danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And, and yet he calls these things just a light momentary affliction. Because compared to the glory, compared to what the uh, the sufferings are achieving for us, they're not even worth comparing the eternal weight of glory that they're achieving for us. That as we share in the sufferings of Christ, again, not in our in our foolish sufferings brought on ourselves by our our own sin or our own foolishness, but as we share in the sufferings of Christ, they achieve for us a glory that is not worth comparing to what we're experiencing. And, you know, if I may, I'd like to say a word to those who are providing care for disabled or handicapped or special needs individuals, because I believe that that is also a sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And I believe that that is a high and holy calling. And if you're one of those people who has received that high and holy calling, I just want to encourage you to know that you are participating in something sacred and to know that as you care for those people who are disabled, for those people with special needs, that it is a ministry unto Jesus because it is a manifestation of the heart of God. In our society, where someone's value and someone's worth is determined by their ability to make a contribution to society, the kingdom of God is completely opposite of that. And in the kingdom of God, people have value because they bear God's image. And so for those people who are working or those mothers and fathers who are caring for special needs kids, I just want to affirm you. And I just want you to know that that witness is one of the most powerful witnesses to the world against the forces of evil. Because it is an unflinching testimony, it is a 24-7 testimony in the hope of God. Because evil is an effort to undermine what people are for. Evil is an effort to counter the goodness of God. And it can happen on purpose, and it can happen on accident. But generally, it happens on accident. And most people working the greatest evil have actually convinced themselves that they're doing good. But people who stand and care and advocate for the disabled are a bulwark against evil and a force for the righteousness of God on the earth. Because they provide a shining answer to the question of what are people for? Why do we exist? If our only existence is to bring happiness and fun to ourselves, if our only purpose is to quote-unquote advance society and to become uh, a greater acquire of things and to purchase bigger houses and nicer cars and have better jobs and live more luxurious lives, then it's natural to commoditize human life and to say the only human life that has value is that which forwards us in this advancement of our own pleasure, our own entertainment, our own happiness, 
our own pursuit of the acquisition of things. But if we stand and we say, no, the purpose of human beings is to glorify God and to be a reflection of God's goodness and kindness, then every single human life has value because they bear the image of God and because Jesus came and died for that person. And so I just wanted to exhort and affirm those people who stand and who care for disabled people as, yes, you are sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, and you are advancing the purpose for which Christ suffered, which was to unite humanity and divinity, to bring reconciliation between humanity and God, and to see the reign of God fill the earth, to see the goodness of God cover the whole earth the way that waters cover the oceans. John Swinton in his book, Raging with Compassion, Pastoral Responses to the Problem of Evil, quotes Stanley Hauerwas, and he writes this, Our having children draws on our deepest convictions that God is the Lord of this world, and that in spite of all the evidence of misery in the world, it is a world and existence that we can affirm as good as long as we have the assurance that He is its Creator and Redeemer. And so I believe this statement is true for for people having children, but especially for people caring for special needs children, that it is a testimony to the world that even though there's so much pain, so much suffering, and we may not have an answer for why it is so all the time, but we can still affirm the value of each life because we have the hope and the assurance that God, Yahweh, is its creator and redeemer. And so, as I mentioned, this word of suffering for 2020 was the message that the Lord put on my heart for this group of students and for my own life as we looked in December at that time, looking to 2020. And so that is not a particularly like fun message to bring. You know, there's so much emphasis in our world on having fun. And in fact, I definitely have fallen into this trap myself that frequently when I'm asking someone to evaluate the worthwhileness of some event, I'll say, well, did you have fun? As if if you had fun, then it must have been a good event, and if you didn't have fun, it wasn't a good event. When, you know, I've tried to change that, uh, in, even in the way I talk to my own children, when they come back from somewhere, you know, instead of always saying, did you have fun, did you have fun, did you have fun, which just underscores in them, okay, the most important thing is for me to have fun, and everything in my life should be about having fun. I'm trying to change that a little bit and ask them, hey, was that a meaningful time? Was that time going to be meaningful in all of eternity? Was that time an advancing of the kingdom of God in our lives? And so to change the standard from, oh, hey, did we have fun? Was that a good time? Were we entertained? To, hey, are we using our time? Are we making the best use of our time? Are we advancing the kingdom? Are we participating with God in what he's doing? And whether or not that's fun is kind of beside the point. But anyway, at the time, I had no idea how challenging the first months of 2020 would be. And so as we look now to the future, and as we look to opportunities to participate with Christ in advancing the gospel, especially in the situation that the whole world is facing now with the coronavirus, I think it's an appropriate time to reflect on our call to suffer with Christ, 
And I'm a charismatic Christian. I speak in tongues almost every day. I believe that God wants to prosper us, according to 3 John. I believe in biblical prosperity. I believe that God wants us to flourish. I believe that Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. So I am not for um, just scraping through life. But what if part of the abundant life is partaking in Christ's sufferings? What if this is the most meaningful part of our life? And yet, if we have this attitude that everything should just be smooth sailing, problems, you know, I should rise above all my problems, I should never suffer because I'm a child of the King, uh, if we have that attitude, we might actually end up missing out on the most meaningful experiences of our life. And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had to suffer and was perfected through his sufferings, how much more are we, the little brothers in the kingdom, should we also be willing to walk in his steps? And so may God give us courage to walk into everything that he is calling us into with a confidence that he is good and a confidence that he is going to work all of these things for our glory. In Acts chapter 14, Paul's meeting with the believers, meeting with the elders in Antioch, and it says in verse 22, he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And again, as I've said many times on this podcast, the kingdom of God is not heaven. So heaven is part of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is reigning as Lord. And so Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that God's will would be done on earth like it is in heaven and that the kingdom of God would come to the earth. And so the kingdom of God, Paul Uh, exhorted these elders and these believers. He said, the kingdom of God is entered into through many tribulations. So if we want to experience the reign of Jesus on the earth, we must be prepared to walk through many tribulations, just like Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, that we're filling up the measure of Christ's afflictions. May God give us grace to do so. Thank you for listening. God bless you.